We've all heard of organisations that work to give young people with cancer a chance to forget their pain and worries at least for a few days or even a few hours with some fun and relaxation. But what about the grown-ups? Is there anything available for just a few hours to help them forget their problems? Well, until a couple of years ago, there didn't seem to be anything. And then my guest of today, Judith Taylor, came up with the idea of Bald and Beautiful. Judith, it's great to have you back on the program and indeed to have you in the station. And thanks for coming in. Thanks so much, Iris. What made you realise that adults were missing out? It was through my observation, my mother has had cancer for five years and at that stage um, I'd spent a lot of time going up to the Mater Hospital and I realised that whilst the treatment is wonderful, we, we have a fantastic centre in Newcastle, we've got fabulous drugs, fabulous doctors and fabulous services, but I realised that there was a gap in terms of when the people receive their treatment, they then go home and they they feel very sick, very alone, very unimportant. They think that nobody cares. And then to make matters worse, their hair falls out. Mm, and this is a, a great trauma to a lot of them, of course. Well, when I've spoken to a number of people up there, they actually tell me that as bad as the chemo is, when your hair falls out, that's even worse in terms of how you feel about yourself. So these people are really uh, going home and withdrawing into a little little shell. They don't want to be seen. I know there's wigs and scarves and things, but they're, they're not feeling the best. So uh, this sort of gave you the first idea and off you went. Well, it certainly did. How much support do they get from self-help groups like, for, for instance, um, the prostate cancer group that's set up for men? Do they, do they have anything available through the groups that just sort of gives them any relaxation? No, well, when I did some research on it, I found that there wasn't much available. There is the Wig Library, and I realised that with the Wig Library, that automatically discounts men. You don't very often see men going into a Wig Library. And uh, then there is a program called Look Good, Feeling Better, which is a fantastic program. People are only entitled to go to it once. And, of course, again, that isn't terribly appealing to men. They don't really sit and play with makeup. And I, I kind of look back to the idea of camp quality and canteen for children and thought about how important the fun side is to people's well-being and recovery. And I thought, you know, I wonder what we could do that would actually be an adult version of Camp Quality or, or Canteen. And at the time, I did actually go and speak to the guys at the Prostate Group. I thought, well, they're a really good group to start with because mm. they're men. They have the type of cancer that usually isn't talked about. And I just wanted to get an idea from them of if we created a special day, would they come along, firstly? And secondly, what sort of things would they like to have? And so what we came up with, uh, with using them as our research group and also a very small group of helpers, we came up with the idea of Bald and Beautiful Day as a day of fun, pampering and well-being. And it was very important to include the men and very interesting because these men had never actually been 
pampered. They didn't know what I was talking about when I said, well, would you like some manicures and pedicures and how would you like to have a facial and would you like to have some Reiki treatment? They sort of looked at me with blank eyes and said, what are you talking about? <laughs> and and a couple of them said, well, look, I have no idea what you're on about, but if you put on a day, we'll come along and support you anyhow. And it was very interesting once they got there. They were absolutely in their glory. They just loved it. So let's go back to that first day. When was it first held? It was held in May 2005. And how long did it take you to get it organised once you'd got the, the idea in your head? Well, it was very interesting. It all happened in nine weeks. And that was very interesting. I mean, you know, a mountain range, the idea of a mountain range comes into into mind because this was certainly not a molehill. And uh, it was very interesting talking to people from a medical perspective because they didn't believe that it could happen. And they were thinking very small scale and saying, oh, yeah, okay, we like your idea, but um, it's too big. You can't do it. And how about you just uh, one little support group and go and do something with them, you know, involve five or ten people and just go and have a have a good day. And I found it very difficult to make them understand that this wasn't something for just a small group. This is something that should be open to everyone. Did they think that because of that that and their attitude was simply that it was too big? Yes, absolutely. Too big. And they've seen ideas come and go in the past where people have these fantastic ideas, but they fizzle. Mm. They've, they've got no uh, guts to them, basically. Yeah. And I think it was along, in their defense, I think it was along those lines that they thought the project was too big and that the time frame was too small. And uh, that didn't stop me when we found lots of problems to do with uh for example if you're going to do a lot of pampering you need pampering products and we started by approaching very large organizations thinking oh well they'll come good Mm. with this well they didn't want to know us which was very interesting and we found some fabulous people in newcastle who run much smaller type businesses who basically said, give us a shopping list and we will give you whatever you need. And that was just amazing. And that's where it all started. And then the volunteers started coming out of the woodwork saying, yeah, hey, we like that concept. You know, we'd really like to come along and uh, give a hand. And it's particularly uh, appealing to people who have either have someone or have had someone in their family or their friends who've had cancer and they can really relate because they know how down these people can feel. Judith, looking back to that first time in 2005, did you ever have a time when you thought, crikey, what am I doing? It really is too big? Absolutely. There was one stage there where I came to within a millimetre of giving up. We had... I think it was three people booked in to come. But when I gave it some rethinking, what I came up with was that if you could make a difference in three three people's lives, then it's worth it. And so the idea was that we could call it an intimate affair and just have it in a very small room, or we could set about getting more people Mm 
And so that's what we did. And we, we got really serious about that. We had people running around handing out brochures and flyers up at the hospital. We contacted the support groups. We contacted uh, some of the other hospitals. We had signs up in shops. And uh, and gradually the word got out. It was kind of, if, if you have cancer, do you know anyone else who has cancer who'd like to come along? And then the volunteers really came out of the woodwork. It was just once they heard about what uh, what we were offering, they really wanted to get in and lend a hand. And groups such as the TAFE and the WEA have been absolutely wonderful in terms of providing students to come along. And the students get such a buzz out of doing this. And it's also good for them as well because it goes in their CV mm. uh, so that they can say that they've done some community work. And how much money did you have back then? Well, that was interesting as well. We did the whole thing on $100, <laughs> which um, at the time we had 60 guests and we had... 80 volunteers and I went to the caterer we had had it at Mayfield X Services Club and I said to him okay we have 80 volunteers and we have to feed them with a hundred dollars so you'd better do the loaves and fishes trick (laughs) (laughs) well he obviously did he did and everyone was more than happy okay it wasn't terribly adequate catering for that many people but we did the best that we could and and everybody understood that and the important thing was that we were looking after the guests they had some lovely catering lots of food lots of fun and lots of pampering i'm talking today with judith taylor about bald and beautiful judith take me through the day from the time they walk in the door what can they expect they first being, of, all, of course, is your guests. Our guests, that's right. What happens is that we first of all get them to, to register. It's interesting because last year we had people who were repeat guests from the year before, so they knew exactly what to do. And they were like lining up outside a Kmart sale and absolutely bursting to get in the doors. And by the time they get in there, we have all the, the pampering is all set up and so they they come in they find where they would like to sit and then they head straight off to the to the pampering so that's mm-hmm. things like manicures pedicures facials makeup hairdressing for people who have hair wigs and scarves for people who don't uh, we have reiki and tai chi and all sorts of wonderful uh, services like that and it's it's just amazing to be able to sit there and be pampered but at the same time have entertainment happening so we have things like a 14-piece jazz band we've got the uh, hunter school of performing arts are doing three uh, three little items for us and we have uh, another band who's coming in we have some dancers coming through as well and some some of our normal Newcastle celebrities. So that's uh, Tony Tamplin, Tony Mowbray, who is still out sailing somewhere in the world, but he'll be back in time for Bald and Beautiful, which is good. And uh, people like Margaret McNaughton. We have Peter Lewis, the cartoonist, who spends the entire time drawing caricatures of the guests and they just absolutely love that to be able to take that home this year we're having a professional photographer who's going to take after photos so that uh, so, people can see how they look yep yep and uh and just just lots of little things like that 
happening. It's a lot to pack into a four-hour period. Morning tea and lunch, of course. We're having a, a really nicely catered lunch. And the other thing is we've moved to a bigger venue this year. So it's going to be at West Leagues Club in the Starlight Room. And we'll have it set up so that the tables will all be uh, down in the bottom area and in the horseshoe-shaped area at the top, it will be really good to have the pampering set out up there. And at the same time, everyone can see the stage. If we go back a little, how did the numbers last year in 2006 compare with 2005? Our numbers were, were double, and so we're assuming the same again for this year. So we're expecting 150 guests and 100 volunteers. That's a lot of people, Judith. It's a lot of people to feed. The the co- We've made the cost of the day $15 for the guests. The volunteers don't pay anything. So it's a massive fundraising effort to make up the difference. Uh, we have a, a lot of – we don't have a great deal of, of costs uh, associated with the yearly running of of Bald and Beautiful. Mm. It's more the costs associated with the day. So the catering is a, a considerable cost, and we like to give our guests oh, some little surprises. I'd better not say what they are, but they're little surprises that cost money. Mm. <laughs> uh, on the day, we like to run a raffle, and people have been very generous in giving us um, donations of items that we can raffle, so we're very open to uh, anything that anyone would like to provide to us. Uh, anyone who can do pampering, in particular hairdressing. We're short of hairdressers, so if anyone knows of any hairdressers who are free on a Wednesday, that would be very, very much appreciated. Even if they could only give us half an hour, that would be great. Well, at the end of the program, we'll give exactly. um, give some details yes. on that. The hairdressers, if we talk about those for a minute, they won't actually be washing hair, will they? They'll only be what setting it, rearranging it. That's right. It, yes, it. yes. Give it, uh, cutting, doing hairstyles. Uh, one interesting thing that happens after chemo is that people's um, hair grows back really, really curly, I've and heard it's great. That. And yeah. hairdressers love to work with that. It's just just wonderful. And there might be some people there who are in the process of losing their hair and they might like to take the opportunity of having it all shaved off because quite often that's the better way of dealing with it instead of having dribs and drabs falling out in the shower, mm. get it over and done with. The whole thing of that then is finished and they haven't got to stand there and go through the trauma of seeing their hair disappear down the drain. Exactly. So we can yeah. certainly take take care of yeah. that. Uh, there was one guy there last year that I remember. He was probably 28 to 30, and uh, his hair had started growing back after having chemo, and he said, oh, I rather like the bald look. Can you shave it off for me while I'm here? So he, he reverted back. He did. He he rather liked <laughs> yeah. it, and that that was good. And it's just yeah. lovely for the ladies to have a, a lovely hairstyle. Um, we we've also had a little bit of feedback from the TAFE about the facials, and they've come up with the idea that because the men really aren't into makeup, mm. what they're going to do for them this year is to make the facials much more of a special event for them and they're actually going to bring tables so that the men can lie down and have a real facial sounds great
Yeah, sounds, sounds good. Great. Now, with things like manicurists, the equipment they use has to be disposable. Yes, that's How right. How do you replace those disposable goods? Well, th- that's another expensive uh, situation in so much as uh, for infection control, you can't use a nail file more than once or or whatever. So everything that we have has to be disposed of after one use. How do you replace those? Do you have someone who's a supplier who will help you out with those? We do. We have Synergy Massage and Spa who, are pro- who have been wonderful for the three years and they have basically provided us with... Um, a shopping list. Just mm. tell them tell them what we need in terms of all of the the disposable items, mm. and some other other organisations. We've had uh, Grace Cosmetics uh, coming on board this year, and they they're actually providing ten beauticians and uh, product for the day, as well as little samples. We're going to give everyone a little sample bag to take home at the end of the day, and uh, all up, the value on what they are providing is thirty thousand dollars. That's a lot of money, Jeff. Isn't that amazing? That's wonderful. It's yeah. just just fantastic, and we've we've actually had some some donations coming in, which is really great in terms of needing things like postage and stationery and so on mm. and, and so forth. And as I said, particularly the catering. So every little bit helps. So when they get there and they go through this pampering, does that stop when lunch is put on, or do they? sort of take lunch when they've come to the end of a session, shall we say that they're having a massage. Um, do they wait until till their massage is finished and then go and join on, on the line to have something to eat or how do you work that? We make it a more casual arrangement so that if we've had people there, for example, Peter Lewis, the, the cartoonist, and uh, a couple of the hairdressers, they work non-stop. They won't even have a glass of water during the four-hour period. They just work tirelessly because that's what they choose to do. Some of the other volunteers, they like to uh, sit down and enjoy the lunch with the guests and, and mingle with them and have a talk to them at the same time. So everyone gets to do what they feel like doing. And it's very, very important that this is a day of wellness no one actually sees themselves as being sick on the day and it just makes an enormous difference. When you look back on the time and you obviously thought, yeah, it wouldn't it be lovely if, did you really envisage it getting this big in such a short time? In my mind, I always had the big picture there brewing in the background. Mm. I always thought that, okay, what we could do is... Do what Newcastle is good for, which is test sampling. Mm. Use us as a test sample. And I also knew that uh, Newcastle has the reputation of being the biggest givers in the country, both in terms of giving of ourselves and and giving of um, product or donations Mm. or, or whatever. And what I could see, what my vision always was, that if we could do it here, other people can do it anywhere. Mm. And so when we actually set Bald and Beautiful up as a foundation, we did it in such a way that it can be national and that 
What I would like to see is for Bald and Beautiful Day to be recognised across Australia, similar to Clean Up Australia Day. I'm Iris Nichols and I'm talking today with Judith Taylor about the Bald and Beautiful Foundation. Judith, you, you mentioned that it's only a short time to get since you got the first one going, that you only had nine weeks or something. How long does it take you to plan an event now? Would you believe it takes a full year? <laughs> yes, I believe that. <laughs> we have a very small committee and we meet on a weekly basis. And it is wonderful that people can come together who have different skill sets and each person is allocated a different job, if you like, and we all take care of different aspects of Bald and Beautiful Day. But it actually takes us a full year to plan and organise a four-hour day. When you think about it, it's probably a lot of hours you put in, but the satisfaction must be extremely high. Absolutely. And it's very interesting to be an observer on the day and see how absolutely blown away the guests are and how wonderful that they feel. But then it's, it's equally interesting to see the volunteers because some of them last year actually said that they went in there not knowing really what it was all about. They'd had the basic outline, but it's not until they actually experience it mm. that they realize how wonderful they're going to feel and, and that sense of, um, sense of giving. Judith, you talk about volunteers and obviously there, some of those are the people who do the, uh, massage, pedicure, etc. What do the other volunteers do? Oh, they sell raffle tickets and they make cups of tea and they help people to their seats. And if people, some of some of our guests have a little bit of difficulty walking, for example, and they might give them some assistance to take them over to the manicure table or mm. something like that, or make sure that they've got enough to to eat, uh, or even do really important jobs like blowing up balloons. <laughs> Which we laugh at, but it, having been involved with volunteer groups, it's very important. Oh, it certainly is. Yeah. I don't mean yeah. by mouth, but somebody has yeah. to operate the pump. Yeah, that's right. And you get very sore fingers from tying off the knots, <laughs> exactly. I know from experience. <laughs> Judith, with all your volunteers, do you have a, a meeting prior to the day with the volunteers um, and sort of say, well, this is what's involved, this is how... Um, we envisage it running or do they sort of come along and, and then realise when they get there that that's going to be their particular niche? It's highly structured. It needs to be because we are a, a foundation, we're a registered company, everything has to uh, run as per procedure. So we do follow procedures and uh, that means that the volunteers do need to know exactly what's required of them. And OH&S issues, mm. uh, we will be having St John's Ambulance there. Now, not that they last year they just sat back and had a wonderful time because no mm. one's sick. That's right. You were just saying it's a wellness day. It is. In that rare event that someone is not able to cope with the full day and it's four hours. And I guess if you're having chemo or any other type of, of treatment, that four hours can be a long day. Do they just sort of say, I've got to go home or or how do you handle that sort no, of thing? No, they don't want to go home at oh, the okay. end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> okay. An example, there was one lady last year who 
she didn't arrive and she must have had my mobile number for some reason and she rang me and she said, look, I'm really not well, I'm really struggling to get there but mind me a place, I want to, I want to come along. So it took her an hour and a half to get there mm. and once she got there, everyone ran around and made mm. up for lost time. You yeah. know, we yeah. slotted her in and made sure that she received her pampering. And she was so beautiful. You should have seen her at the end of the day. And she was just so happy. And it was so worth her making the, the effort mm. to be there. There was another lady. I have to give you the example of this. The jazz band were playing and... There was a, a gentleman there. He went with his wife as her carer. And uh, after about an hour or two, they actually got up and started dancing. And he came over and told us afterwards that she hadn't been out dancing for two years. And that had been the day she took off. The That's it. Down to more practical things, Judith. You said you would like this to go national. Yes. If someone listening to this program says... That sounds like a great idea. I wouldn't know how to start. How can they start? What we are wanting to do is to create a training package, but that's going to take money. We need to get a video and we need to have that properly produced and mm. edited and so on, uh, together with photographs of, of how it should look and a training manual. All of that is going to take time and, and money. Uh, time we can organise, money we don't have. So that's the thing preventing us from doing that at, at this stage. Getting the word out there won't be so difficult. Rotary have been very good to us, and as we know, uh, Rotary International. Mm. But looking at it from a national level, that is a good way to get the word out and mm. to show other people how they can be doing it. Uh, so... Yeah, money money is always a problem in situations mm. like this. But if someone says, I'd like to have a go at it and there's no training manual, can they get in touch with you or absolutely, your committee? Absolutely. We would really love to hear from people. And if there's someone in that category, they can most certainly call me mm-hmm. on 0417 And you can at least point in the direction and give them some hints to get them going. Absolutely. You've got your day coming up on the 9th of May from 10 to 2 at the West Leagues Club in Hobart Road. Yes, New Lambton. In New Lambton. If there are people who would like to come along as guests, they obviously have to book now, so you have some idea of how many people you've got coming. That's right. So it's just a case of... Phone up, tell us that you're coming, and then you can pay on the day, and it will be a cost of $15. And it's actually Jim. He's a wonderful man from the Prostate Group who very, very kindly takes our bookings for us. So his phone number is 49281340. The other suggestion is that if you know someone who would really enjoy a day of pampering and as someone who's not feeling the best, who has has cancer and you would like to send them along as a gift from you, then you can phone Jim, pay the $15 and we will send your friend a gift certificate. Now, if somebody rings up early and says... I'd like to come, here's my $15. How can they pay you, by the way? We can organise that through Jim. It's just a case of phoning phoning Jim, mm-hmm. organising it with him, and he'll tell you what to do. 
and you can send out tickets to we most to certainly can yeah okay so that's for the people who who are coming as guests what about the volunteers for someone listening who says oh i've got time i can come and help that's right if someone can do any kind of pampering we'd love to hear from them if someone would like to donate products or donate something for the raffle they can call john on 0249631439 donations tax deductible all tax deductible judith is there anything else that we need to know to, to help you get this day going? Well, we really need, the most important thing is that people who have or have had cancer are so welcome to come along. They won't know themselves at the end of the day. It is just such a wonderful day, a wonderful feeling of experiencing, feeling really, really good. So I'd absolutely encourage anyone who fits into that category to come along and feel good. You mentioned earlier on about the lady with a carer. You need to know how many carers are coming? That's right. Yes, carers are most welcome. We find that carers do one of two things. They either come along and enjoy the day as well, or they bring the guest along, leave the guest with us, and they go and have a couple of hours to themselves. So whichever they'd like to do is fine by us. As long as they let Jim know that what's happening, so you know for catering? That's right. Judith, we wish you every success on today, listening to you and having talked to you way back in 2005 about it. I can see that the thing like Topsy has just grown and grown. We wish you every success. We hope that, in fact, I know that you will have a great day at Bald and Beautiful. Thank you for coming in. Thank you, Iris. My guest today has been Judith Taylor. Judith has been involved in setting up the original Bald and Beautiful Foundation. We thank you for listening. And from all of us here, we wish you well.